Well, welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. The American system of government and all of our founding principles seem to be under attack from just about every angle. And there seems to be a culture war being fought in every single sector of American life, from education to the media to criminal justice, you name it. People are being canceled and silenced, and force in many ways seems to be replacing freedom in many aspects of American life. In many ways, we seem more divided than ever before. Good, everyday, patriotic Americans are tired, and most are fed up and asking one simple question. What can we do about it? And that's why I'm really excited about our guest today, because she has tremendous passion for America and experience in virtually every one of the areas. And I believe she's going to inspire you to stand up in your unique sphere of influence to defend freedom and secure it for our children and generations to come. Well, our guest today is Shari Williams. Shari is the president of the leadership program of the Rockies. She's held a leadership role since 1989. She has more than 30 years of experience as a professional in public policy, strategic planning, state and federal political campaigns, and her expertise and passion is educating and training leaders to advance individual rights, the proper role of government, and inspiring others to be in charge of their government and play meaningful roles. She is a skilled campaign architect. Don't let her fool you. She might be modest. She has a stellar election record at all levels of government. And it's a real pleasure to invite you, Shari, to, to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Oh, Jimmy, thanks for uh, letting me come on. And what a, what a wonderful one in introduction there. Hey, listen, I gave you enough to live up to. But the good news is you've already lived up to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh, 20 years of history ain't bad. <laughs> not too bad. That's a pretty good track record. And, you know, it's been really great to get to know you over the last nine months as part of the LPR class of 2023, you know, and your motto is building an army for freedom. And I think part of what was really great for me was going back into the timeless principles of freedom that formed the foundation of America. And I got to tell you, I learned so much in this nine months. I've grown so much in my understanding of, my appreciation for, and really in my ability to defend America and the American way. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Well, Jimmy, you're exactly the kind of person that we want to go through the program because um, a long time ago in my political career, I realized we're only going to get the right kind of politicians if we have the right kind of citizens. Mm -hmm. And uh, we mistakenly assume that everybody is going to get this in junior high and high school and college are going to get a good civics education. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't happened for a long time. So we have um, people that come through our program and say to me all the time, now, sorry, I guess I just forgot all this. And I say to them, no, you probably never got it. Sure. And the idea is we're only going to be a strong country if, in fact, our citizens have civic knowledge. Yes. And so it's one of the best things about the leadership program of the Rockies is we get really influential people that mm -hmm. um, reintroduce themselves to the idea of the American founding and capitalism and then go out and try and make a difference. Yeah, that is such a great summary of it, too, because and I really didn't know necessarily what to expect. Um, I, and I came into it, I got to tell you, I came into it thinking, man, I'm a patriot. I love America. I know what we stand for. I know our history. But I really came in from a humble posture because I wanted to learn and grow. And I knew the program that you were going to put together and that you've done for so many years was going to literally have experts coming on all aspects of not only our history, but also current events. And 
what are we dealing with now and how do we carry the torch, that flame for freedom forward? So thank you for that. It's been a, a tremendous ride for, for the last nine months. Jimmy, it's funny that you say that because we have all sorts of people compete to get into this program, and a lot of them are self-described conservatives, or yeah. they are elected officials, or they've been policy experts, and they're like, oh, I've got this down. I could teach these courses. And then they go through the program and realize, oh, wait, this is really different. In fact, there's yeah. nothing like this in the entire country, mm -hmm. except for out in Connecticut, where we have a, a farm team um, yes. that we um, developed in Connecticut. But we literally have people from 17 states that have flown into Colorado for a one once a month training and they say huh what is so different about this program and probably the top difference is that it gives you hope Mm -hmm. It gives you hope in this time period where everything seems really hard and like, you know, our country's going down the tubes and people are fighting and it's a 50-50 country. They come out of uh, the leadership program of the Rockies and they say, oh, wait, I know my role as a citizen and yeah. I know how to hold my elected officials accountable. Yeah. And then the elected officials that go through our program say, wait a second, I thought I was elected to solve problems, but in mm -hmm. fact, I didn't really understand the problem proper role of government at my level. And now I have a lens yes. to look at every issue so I can make a better decision. Yeah. So we have people that are elected officials. We have people that are doctors and educators and business people and community activists and homeschool moms. Mm -hmm. And all of them have one thing in common. They care and love their country. They yeah. care about what happens and they want to make a difference. And we give them the tools in which to make decisions because it feels really complex. And we simplify things in a profound way. So you always have the answer to every issue out there. Yes. Okay. So you know this. I've told you this many times. One of the favorite resources that you gave us was were those flashcards. I call them flashcards, but it's a kind of a packet which basically is all of the foundational principles uh, that America was founded on, all the, the conditions of freedom, you know, what's necessary for us to stay free and right. kind of like this cheat sheet. And I'm like, I have become so much more articulate in my ability to communicate the principles of freedom and to defend it and also to persuade just because of these amazing resources. Yeah, it's one of the things that I think makes us different than everybody else. A lot of organizations say, read these 10 books or listen to all of our speakers and then maybe you'll be as smart as we are. Yeah. And instead we say, hey, we're going to help simplify this for you. So what we did, I love this story because my uh, husband, before he passed away, he designed these flashcards. And wow. what I said is you get to listen to Professor Do Dr. Cranowitter yeah. for 15 minutes. And what I want you to do is translate what he's saying into a picture. So the yeah. picture for those of your listeners that don't understand what those flashcards is, it, what we do is we say, if you want freedom, that's like a roof. Mm. And But to support a roof, you have to have something or it falls down. So if you want freedom, you need columns. Yes. And those columns are the pr principles of freedom, the conditions mm. you have to have to have freedom in the United yeah. States. But those columns will fall down unless you have the base. Mm -hmm. And the base is an active 
educated citizenry yes. that really understands what their role is and how to hold our elected officials accountable. Yeah. And so there's four parts to a cracking base, mm. um, having civic knowledge and, and being responsible to yourself and being assertive about uh, what we need to do in this country yeah. and holding to the rule book of the Constitution. Mm. So if you get that picture in your mind yeah. and you learn those conditions of freedom, yes. you always have the answer to ever the, every question, whether it's a national defense question yeah. or a question on health care or tax policy. Yeah. So we kind of give you what we call yeah, it is a cheat sheet yeah. because it's a very profound idea put into a simple form. Yes. And so what I've discovered is I've got a lot of friends and neighbors and colleagues and, you know, uh, people all across the country that love this country and and are very, very concerned about the direction that they see it going in. And when I share with them these tools, they're like, wait a minute, why, why are we not teaching this in school? And I'm like, well, that's a really good question. Exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, they feel what? empowered when they see these. They're like, oh, my gosh, I feel so empowered. I could tell that story to my neighbor. I could defend our values based upon this. So it's it's a big thing. Well, that's exactly the idea is we know we're not going to reach everybody in the country, yeah. but what we try and do is reach influencers, people yeah. that already have a sphere of influence. And a lot of people say to me, oh, Shari, you've got to get this in the school system. You yeah. should be focusing on the kids instead of adults. We're one of the only educational organizations in the whole country that focuses on adults. And why do we do yeah. that? Because we feel like it'll be too late if we go straight oh. to the kids. Oh. We've got to go to decision makers, yes. decision Decision makers that think they know the right ideas, but they don't necessarily. One of my favorite stories mm -hmm. is a guy that had been, he was a Republican um, city council person. I won't name names or cities, but he had been on the city council for about a dozen years. Mm -hmm. And he went through our program. And when he first came through it, he kind of said, I know it all. And then at my exit interview with him, he started crying. Wow. And the man said, Shari, until I went through this program, I didn't understand how I was undermining the ideas of American freedom. Wow. And I said, well, tell me more about that. And he mm -hmm. said, I was always on the city council using eminent domain as a way to spur on economic development, but I was taking away people's property yeah. and I didn't really understand the theory behind it until I went through LPR. He said, yeah. now, not only am I a vote against some of those things, but I've educated my fellow um, city council people yeah. and they understand. They understand the ideas of Jefferson and yeah. Madison. And so what they do is, you know, they don't have to read the Federalist Papers. Mm. They get the ideas because I can simply explain to them why it's wrong to take property from one to give to another. Yeah. You know, so we try and put it into simple mm. phrases like no special rights for special groups. Yeah. It is not the role of government to pick winners and and losers. Mm. And once you understand that, then it shrinks down yeah. what the government should be doing at every different level. Yeah. And then it gives such clarity, not only to the person in office, but the citizens who vote for them yeah. and the people that are active in the community. There's mm. so much that the private individual should yeah. do instead of the government yes. doing. And people take on that responsibility instead of thinking, oh, I guess I'll just, you know, let the government do it instead yeah. of me doing it. Yes. And I think that's one of the most important points that I've taken from the program. And, and I could have taken that from day one was this idea that we're personally responsible for this, this republic. I mean, it is in our hands. We are, 
stewards of this and we're responsible for it. And it's not okay for us to not engage in our sphere of influence. It's just not okay because the thing is going to deteriorate. The government will do whatever we allow it to do. It, it just gets by nature gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we want that government to be smaller and smaller because we're more capable as citizens. And most people get frustrated. Yeah. They think, oh, it's all too complex. I don't know everything about healthcare, or um, I don't know everything about tax policy. I'll leave that to the experts. That's not the way the um, country was designed. Yeah. It was designed to have people that went and represented uh, us, but didn't necessarily yeah. solve our problems. Mm. And so once you have an easy way of figuring out what the role of government should be, yeah. and it has one job yeah. and one job only, and that is to protect individual American mm -hmm. rights. And once you think of that as the matrix, then every answer is easy. And if it's not happening, you have to engage. But a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to get engaged. I hate politics. Yeah. Well, you don't have to be involved in politics. What you have to be is involved in your community. Yes. and saying what you do and don't want and understanding the difference between freedom and force. Mm -hmm. You know, are they holding a gun to your head to make you do things for other people? Yeah. And are they moving chess boards around, uh, yeah. chess pieces around the chess, um, chess board? Yeah. And the idea is you ought to have freedom as long as you're not hurting others. Yeah. There are certain things that um, good, responsible citizens should do. And we help teach you that in class. And yeah. a lot of people say to me, well, you know, I, I used to get mad and I'd go to rallies and I'd, you know, have my sign. And I'd ask them at the rally, but do you know how to tell people what you do want? And they'd be confused. And yeah. a lot of people aren't sure what to look for. They just know yeah. that they're angry. We try and turn that anger towards something positive and that gives you hope for the country again, rather than yeah. just gets you angry at everybody else that doesn't <laughs> think like you. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to be angry. I mean, there's so many things. It is. That, yeah, right. There's so many things that we that, could that's be angry easy, about. Though. Yeah. The hard work is making them it, feel hopeful. Yes, <laughs> it is so lazy. And everyone always asks me, so I don't, you know, part of what I do is I expose a bunch of the nonsense that's going on because frankly, a lot of people don't know how much nonsense is going on, but exposing isn't enough. Exposing just leads to that frustration and that anger and people don't feel like they can do anything. Ultimately, I want to encourage that they can do something about it and then empower them to actually engage in a meaningful way. So you know, I think a so lot you're of people, power sneezer, aren't you, Jimmy? Yeah, well, we're trying. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We're, so I bet your listeners don't know what a power sneezer is because um, it's kind of a grody terminology, <laughs> but I love it because it's so graphic that it gets yeah. the point immediately. Yeah. Um, so can you imagine if you have the right ideas, you can spread them far and wide. Mm. So. Personally, if I sit on a plane next to someone and if they sneeze on me, it's likely I could spread that cold to a thousand people in the next yeah. week. Well, we look for people who are super spreaders, yes. who once they get that idea, are going to spread those ideas to others and empower them. And the whole idea is you can change the country. Yeah. Think about it. A small, small group of people, you know, the founding fathers of this country went up against the biggest superpower in the world mm -hmm. with the right profound idea. Yeah. They spread it and literally 
There's people all over the world that may not be American citizens, but think like, I love what America has to offer. And so you can make that difference by figuring out who do you want to spread those ideas to and can you do it in a simple way? And so you're challenged every day with making things short so you can transmit these ideas. So I hope you're really effective because I'm counting on it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you've encouraged us to do it. And I think one of the things that I gained most with is this power of persuasion. And this is a big thing that you spent a lot of time on in the class is this idea of in, you know, a proximity influence. We'll talk a little bit about that. But this idea of the power of persuasion, it's not enough to just yell back and forth at one another at one another. And by the way, nobody likes that. I mean, no one leaves feeling good. You haven't made any more friends. Nobody likes it. But you talk about there being three types of people, right? You said yellers, tellers, and sellers. Talk a little bit about the power of persuasion. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I learned this in probably um, fifth grade when I organized kids on the playground. And um, I tell this story often about how I organized all the kids on the playground to yell, we hate Mr. Stookie. We hate Mr. Stookie. And in fact, you know, I got them the fifth, sixth, you know, graders all out there, you know, yelling this. But it didn't make a bit of difference. Well, my parents were called in to talk to the principal and the teacher, and um, they said I was taking over the school at the time. (laughs) And my parents were like, luckily, my parents were very supportive to my professional growth, even at uh, fifth grade. And they understood that it was just early signs of executive, you know, uh, leadership. And so, but the idea is nothing changed then. We yelled, Mm -hmm. but nothing changed. So that was just yelling. And our side, sometimes when I say our side, I mean, in the broad side, the freedom side, we have a tendency to say, read this book, or if you only knew the facts that I know, you'd be convinced then that would be all all over. Well, that's not usually how people um, learn or um, actually integrate something. Mm. And so I believe in selling and selling, Mm. not in the, you know, hey, I'm a used car salesman kind of way, giving the benefits of something, making it personal to someone, understanding their values, understanding the structure of what makes an organization work and why values drive things. So we um, talk in the class about how opinions aren't very convincing. Mm. But if you work at the the level of values and principles, Mm. people think, ooh, that's universal and something I really care about because value is something I care about. And so if you learn to translate your ideas into values, then you're going to be much more compelling. So I believe that if you marry good um, principles with good persuasion, there's nothing you can't accomplish in public policy. Most people think, I just want to ram my ideas down. But if you can persuade and get other people on board Mm -hmm. that they're, you know, they're excited about the idea too, you can change the world. Yeah. And you talked a lot about common ground, right? And, and the way you find common ground is through, through those shared values and principles. It's, it's finding things that we agree on right away. So for example, like in the educational realm, which is so contentious now, understandably so, Um, you know, I will say something that, well, no one loves their kids as much as their parents. I mean, no one loves your kids more than you do, do they? And every single parent universally will say, that's right. And then now all of a sudden we're on the same side of the, of the argument or the same side of the ball trying to solve a problem together. So that's been really influential for me. And we help people ferret that out because a lot of the professional organizations out there that make a lot of money Mm. on making 
people angry at one another, don't really talk in principle and value language. They just get you mad. And instead we, we start with, you know, do you, you value your kids the most? Shouldn't you have decisions about your kids? I love when Bob Schaefer talks about the universal truths of education. And then we battle sometimes the um, teachers union, which is bizarre for me. So I'm a former um, middle school teacher. I come Uh from a family where my mom was an elementary school teacher. My dad was a junior high principal and a high school um, uh, teacher. I Mm. love education. Education is one of the best things ever. And yet I find myself constantly at odds with the Colorado Teachers Union. Mm. And they recently came out with a resolution saying that they were anti-capitalism and capitalism was the thing that was ruining our country and was leading to sexism and racism and uh, uh, global warming and all sorts of things. And to mm. some degree, I take credit for that resolution. And let me explain that because that's kind of a controversial <laughs> thing to say. The reason I take credit for it is because they know the professional teachers organization, not the educators out there, because mm. the educators are really trying to do their best. Yes. But the professional teacher mm. union is threatened by the idea of a capitalism. Yeah. And even Jared Polis, our governor, said on, on TV, hey, they should understand capitalism is where they their paycheck comes from. Mm. But but the thing is, they fight capitalism because, in fact, they think groupthink and they yes. don't want you to have choices in education and choices in the marketplace. Yeah. And so we are at loggerheads with them because they we they know we use the word capitalism. Yeah. And so they find it a big threat. And mm-hmm. I I often invite them, come and sit in on, on these um, classes. We'd love to have you, but mm-hmm. they don't want to have any part of it because yeah. they want to mask what they're doing is not about the children and the parents having choices. Yeah. I love what you, you just made a distinction, which I think is really important. You know, you kind of um, put us on the side of educators and I think that is such an important place to sit, right? It's, you've got this professional bureaucracy that really doesn't want choice. Just like you said, they don't want choice. They want, they want one system. And yet you have all of these educators in the trenches with our kids that know that they want to do the right thing. They want to help our kids achieve their potential and live with purpose and fulfill their, their God-given you know, potential. So I mm-hmm. think we can stand with educators in this space so that we're not on opposite sides, but we can stand against the, bureau- the bureaucracy of it, which is kind of a one-size-fits-all. Right. I know dozens of teachers. They don't mind competition because they understand innovation. And if you really care about education, you're going to want to be better and better. And you don't mind um, other people coming up with ideas. But the teachers union, unfortunately, is about job protection and not about kids. And um you know, I under, I figured that out in my early career yeah. and decided that's the kind of thing that we need to change because yeah. that is force versus freedom. Yes. And you want parents to be able to say, yep, I like that school or I don't like that school. And I get to decide where my kid goes and the money ought to follow the kid. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And if, if the money followed the child, we would have school choice. We would have an unbelievable competitive environment. Every single educational system would be better. They'd be, they'd be forced to yeah. be better uh, or they wouldn't exist. And that's what that yeah. free market capitalism is all about. Maybe that's why they're so afraid of it. 
Well, and to tell the truth, beyond the teachers union, the mm. culture has not embraced capitalism. Yeah. And this is going to yeah. be controversial. Even Republicans and conservatives yeah. don't always embrace capitalism. Mm. They'll say stuff like, well, we're for business. Well, we're not for crony capitalism. There's right. no such thing. Cronyism is not capitalism. Mm. And so when we say the word capitalism, it mm. kind of triggers a whole bunch of people. They don't feel like they found their safe space. Yeah. But we purposely talk about capitalism because it's about the head. One of my um, favorite things is we have people that proactively now go and talk about capitalism. Mm. I have a doctor. He is a gastroenterologist and he'll sit there when they're waiting for biopsies in the operating room. He's training people on capitalism using the healthcare system. And so he's training the hospital techs and the nurses and even the patient that's under anesthesia. He thinks he's getting a little bit of capitalism too. (laughs) And that's what we try and do. Rather than say, you're going to try and um, force Washington to do things. We instead say, find people like that doctor that are going to go spread these ideas in their community, in their proximity um, impact where they have um, kind of their trusted source. So when he talks about capitalism to young hospital techs, that Mm. is going to change the culture so much faster than elected officials. Elected officials are the barometer, the measure of where the culture is. And guess what? It's very obvious. Obvious. We get exactly what we deserve right now. We're a 50 50 nation in part because we don't understand capitalism, but at a deeper root, we don't understand individual rights. We want freedom, but we want everybody else to have a bunch of rules. And that really originates from this idea that the American founding was around the ideas of trust. Mm -hmm. We had to trust one another. And when we don't trust one another, then we want to put rules. You hear it from kids all the time. Uh, You know, there ought to be a rule. And that translates into there ought to be a law. Yeah. And so we get less and less freedom and more and more force because mm-hmm. we only trust ourselves and don't f- trust our fellow mankind. Yeah. And then we want to social engineer so that we can get trust out of it. Yeah. And I think part of this is messaging. You know, part of this is, yeah. is how do we communicate this message in a way that is persuasive and that, that makes people see things differently. Right. And you talked a little bit about how every, every person hears the message that you're giving differently, right? We have, you, you talked about this values map and I thought it was one yeah. of the tools that I was like, man, this is legit. Like if you can start to identify people's core values, their dominant or predominant values, and then communicate to them in such a way that they understand it and it's meaningful to them, then you can start to change ideas. Talk, can we right. talk a little bit about the five types of people or and maybe, you know, and then you can maybe guess what kind I am. You don't have my the cheat sheet in front of you, though. <laughs> I don't, but I probably remember. Well, I don't want to give too much of the okay. store away because yep. I want your listeners to apply for the program. Yes. Yes. And just to remind them, uh, the applications will be due by August 31st. Perfect. And what we'll do is get applications. They can go to our mm. website uh, for Leadership Program of the Rockies. Yeah. They can um, uh, do an application and then they'll fill it out and then they'll be chosen. Um, uh, they'll will evaluate their evaluation and then they get a interview on top of that. And then they compete in an interview process. And then if they make it into the class, then they get this education. So I don't give away too much of the store. Well, the idea is there's before you say, so before you give away just a little bit more, um, first Uh I would just say this in the nine months of the program, 
it is like getting a practical PhD in nine months. Yeah. I mean, like you cannot imagine the amount of practical information that you can immediately use. Like if we tried to do it, it would take us forever to do it on this podcast. I'm giving like this yes. little thumbnail sketch of all of the value that you get for it. So, all right, give us a couple of the values, uh, predominant well, I values. I have to springboard off of that. Uh, <laughs> when I do these exit interviews, I would say probably about 80% of the people that um, talk to me say that it changed their life. Yeah. And yeah. you think, oh, come on, Shari, that's a pretty tall tale, changed their <laughs> life. And the reason they say that mm. is because they feel like they come out of it with such clarity. Yes. They feel like I suddenly had, you know, the wiper blades on my glasses and yes. I see such clarity. And they mm. often say, now that I see it, I can't unsee it. Yeah. And now yeah. that I see it, I have to do something about it. Yeah. And now I have a network of people around me that share these ideas. We don't agree on all the issues. We most yeah. certainly don't agree on all the candidates. Mm. But what we do agree on is the principles behind the ideas of individual yes. rights. And once yeah. I know that, then I know how to make decisions. And I feel like I have a team. So we yeah. now have over 2,000 people that have gone through the program. Amazing. And they're all people that are practicing these ideas. Mm -hmm. So the values map that that we talk about um, was originally um, yeah. constructed by a guy named Alex Cassiano mm. with National Media. And he used it a lot for everything from um, uh, car sales to um, candidates. Wow. But the idea is he gives you five different symbols mm. on the kind of values you might have. There's the equal sign, which is essentially people think that if you get an A and I get a C, we both ought to get a B, that we have to be completely equal. Um, that's really a, a small percentage of yeah. the population. It's probably growing in the United States, mm -hmm. but it's been uh, traditionally about 8% or so. Wow. And then there's the heart audience. Mm -hmm. And the heart audience is many people, in fact, people that go through um, the leadership program, yeah. the Rockies, people that want the, pr the right role for government. They want government, but they want government to be a referee to make sure things are fair mm -hmm. and that we show that we care. Right. I have to say it's the Oprah audience, <laughs> you know, but they sometimes think government can show that they care. Mm -hmm. Your government can't care for you. Individuals can yeah. care for you. And so it's a, it's a misnomer. Um, then there's the um, dollar sign. Mm -hmm. And people think that's about money and it's not. It's about people that use language like, um, if I do this, then I'll get this out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, if I invest there, then this will be um, the outcome. Mm -hmm. And so um, they aren't uh, they, there's a whole spectrum of people under the dollar sign, yep. but they're people that want value um, for investment. And then there's the flag people. The mm -hmm. flag people want order and kind of a hierarchy mm -hmm. and um, to kind of have it be about America. Mm -hmm. And not that the people that in uh, those other symbols don't care about America too, but they don't think in order and, and hierarchy the same way as the right. flag people. And then the last one, is cross and the cross are faith-based mainly but they could even be an atheist that thinks there's kind of a higher power and therefore those decisions are made by something outside the political realm mm. and so those five value symbols they're a yeah. lot more complex than what i just yeah. described but you can hear a person's values yeah in the way they talk. And so, um, Jimmy, you're mm -hmm. one of the best. I do recall mm -hmm. at your um, interview that you were able to talk 
to almost all of those value mm. symbols. Mm. So you're harder to peg because you're actually a gifted persuader oh, because you. you touch on the values of many people. Mm. If I asked you enough questions, yeah. I could for sure summon your uh, value. And I'm trying to remember, but I think I put you down as a cross. Yep. Is that was that correct? Yeah. Is that what I did? Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. And yeah. and um, you know, it's it's funny. I'll have people that are very religious, mm-hmm. very faith based, yep. but they might be a dollar sign. Yeah. And it's just how you make decisions. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's not even political decisions. It's yeah. about how you pick your spouse yeah. and how you see yourself. Yes. So a lot, for example, going back to education, mm. a lot of teachers are in that heart um, yeah. area because they want to show their fairness and caring. They think that by giving a child an education, they're lifting them up in the world. They're showing their caring and they're making their lives fair yeah. and they're not wrong. Right. And so that's a value to them. Mm. And we sometimes disparage that because we're looking at our own value system rather than where are they coming from? Right. They could end up being on the same end of us politically, mm. but how they get there is the question. Yeah. So understanding another person's values, yeah. I, I laugh because I often describe my dad as a flag and my mom as a heart. And so, you know, it's kind of like Tony Robbins's love language and right. things like that. You know, as long as they can talk in each other's language, right. then they understand in one, one another. But when they say, no, my value is right and you're going to have to adopt it. That's yes. when the fireworks happen. Yes. And that's why I think so. I am the I, you, I think you said I was the best. I mean, I, that alone is an endorsement of over there. <laughs> huh, did I say you were the best? I said you're one of the oh, best. Oh, darn it. Well, wait until your exit interview when I go over your test results. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, you know, that's yes, got to look at those test results. <laughs> yeah, touche. We got to look at the numbers, don't you we? You are good, though. <laughs> you know? And, Jimmy, what I love about you is you're a lifelong learner. Hmm. Uh, the leadership program of the Rockies attracts lifelong yes. learners, people that aren't just happy with where they are. Yeah. They're people that want to grow and learn and expand yes their network and expand their opportunities and practice at this. We know in nine months, nine days, really, we can't change everything about you, nor do we try. Well, we don't, we don't really actually, you know, go and find people and then turn them into leaders. We look for leaders and then we up their game. And so you're most definitely one of those leaders that has a great skill set. And I love that you're willing to practice all the time. Well, thanks for listening to part one of our podcast, Freedom Over Force with Shari Williams. Make sure to tune in to our next episode for practical ways that you can engage and influence others for freedom. See you next time. 